Let's get educated. That's why we're here, to bring you the stories impacting K-12 classrooms and college campuses. It's time for a little education. Well, welcome everyone. I am Katie Petrick, as always, joined by the David Fiorazzo. Now, David, before we get started, yes. I need to ask you, yes. how have you been sleeping these days? Yes, I mean, not that great. Exactly. Well, you would be sleeping a whole lot better if you were nestled into some quality Giza sheets while resting your head upon a signature pillow from my pillow. You're probably right, but uh, it's that time of year to stock up on sheets, towels, pillows. I actually have plenty of these things from my pillow. Uh, slippers, robes, their slippers are amazing, warm and comfortable, even coffee. And right now you can save up to 66% on everything by simply using the code EDUCATED. So go to them, mypillow.com, mypillow.com, use the code EDUCATED and send Katie and I something nice this Christmas season. Yeah, I'll take <laughs> see anything. See I did there? I see what you did there. Uh, Giza sheets. I'll take some new slippers. We don't have the sheets, but you don't we have, have a lot sheets. of other things. I have the pillow. So, all right. Anyway, today we're going to talk about how a federal judge in Texas strikes a massive blow. Oh, so sad. To Joe Biden's $400 billion student loan forgiveness, declaring it illegal to forgive college debt without any congressional approval. What? That's... That's illegal? Say it ain't so, David. Well, what's interesting about this is it didn't happen a month ago before midterms. Because I think uh, oh. they did a lot of vote buying leading up to the midterms, and they tried to get a lot of these college students. But here's the headline. Federal court declares Biden's student loan bailout is illegal. And I believe the judge is right. Texas judge ruled uh, that President Joe Biden's student loan bailout is illegal, dealing a massive blow to the administration. Not that it matters. They're going to try something else. but uh, And a blow to Democrat socialists everywhere. But again, they'll keep on pushing. They'll find another way. Um, so U.S. District Court judge, district judge, Mark Pittman, he made the ruling um, in response to a lawsuit that was filed by the Job Creators Network Foundation, which alleged that Biden's student loan bailout violated federal procedures. Katie, you're a student of the Constitution. What? Did it really violate federal procedures? And if so, how? Well, see, what Biden was trying to do was get around everything that is meant to be done via Congress. Presidents so, can do that? <laughs> they're not well, supposed well, to. Well, Democrat but presidents <laughs> can, right? Right. Well, I yeah. just want to read what Pittman actually wrote about the HEROES Good. Act. Because he says... We're talking about whether Congress, through the HEROES Act, was actually giving the secretary authority to implement the program that would provide that debt, correct? And this would be giving just the, the president, via the pen, tried to just say, hey, all of you millions of students out there, $400 billion, pish posh. Even though you are adults and you signed a contract that says, I will repay what I borrow, plus interest. <laughs> Depending Isn't that on when it, we get a credit card? Isn't this that is, what this we is, do? This is economics 101. And so as Pittman, whether, what Pittman wrote about it, um, he says that whether the program constitutes good public policy is not the role of the court to determine. Because what do the courts determine? Constitutionality. That's yes. what the courts, the courts don't legislate. They determine whether the legislature <laughs> actually has a law that is constitutional. 
So uh, Pittman said that, you know, still no one can plausibly deny that it is either one of the largest delegations of legislative power to the executive branch because the legislature was just like, oh, President Biden, you take this. And Biden then signed off and said, poof, all your debt is magically gone. So how how is that constitutional at all? It's that's not constitutional. So good on Pittman. It's not. And you know what's interesting to me is I I don't know how they get away with doing this. I guess part of it, I think there's so many variables here. Part of it is how the media reports or doesn't report on something when it comes to a Democrat policy is trying to take more power than is constitutional. I mean, how many times have you seen that during the Obama Biden years and even now during the Biden administration? Um, The media doesn't report on it. And if they do, it's certainly not in a negative way. They're saying, hey, compassion. Joe Biden's helping out college students, but he's trampling the Constitution to do it. So, um, oh, by the way, there's a reference here to the Federalist number 47. Mm -hmm. And President James Madison warned that the accumulation of all powers, legislative, executive, and judiciary, in the same hands, whether of one, a few, or many, and whether hereditary or self-appointed or elective, may justly be pronounced the very definition of tyranny. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so when James Madison and the other guys wrote all the Federalist Papers to convince everyone, hey, let's join and, and sign on for this Constitution, they read, wrote the Federalist Papers individually explaining what needs to happen based on the constitution that they set up and james madison more than anyone understood the power of mob rule as we know in fed 10 and then obviously how in consequently in all these these papers if you go you should go read the federalist papers it always comes back to we set up a constitution so that we would have a check on each branch that we'd have a balance of the powers that not one individual of the three branches would overtake the others and what the judge is referencing here in in talking about Madison and how tyranny happens. If you just cede this power over to one of them, as is what the Congress basically did by being like, okay, Joe, you can just, you can just give up all this student loan. Uh, You can do this loan forgiveness. They ceded that power and they made the executive branch. They elevated it to a level that it obviously was never intended to be. Right. The executive was never intended to be, branch i guess one and only at this point they didn't write it as the first branch they wrote it as the second branch and even then it's it was not intended but we're not going to sit here for an hour and talk about (laughs) the, the history of how they came to write the constitution and what they argued over the moral of the story is for now it's on hold. The student loan forgiveness is on hold. And ugh, David, I'm so sad that now if you wanted to go apply because you had to apply to get like that $10,000 yes. forgiveness or the $20,000 forgiveness, I, I, you go to the website, the education department website, and it's it's not there anymore. They stopped it because they know that is not constitutional. And they know that, oh, they caught us. We can't, we might as well stop allowing students to apply for these uh. loans because, hey, it's not going to happen. But Ultimately, they are going to fight this as they will. Yep, they will. So I, apparently the Democrat education department, I mean, the, yeah, uh, the education right. department Get it right. was, yeah, was very disappointed they were. Mm-hmm. in this constitutional outcome uh, from this judge. But anyway, still to come, despite Biden's student loan forgiveness plan being deemed illegal, a new survey shows exactly what borrowers plan to do with the extra cash if and when they ever receive it. Stay with us. 
If you have a smartphone, tablet, Roku, or Apple TV, consider downloading the Freedom Project media app. It's 100% free and includes all of our weekly shows, plus lecture series, archive programs, and award-winning animated videos for families like the Presidential Minute, Battles of America, and Heroes of the West. Don't rely on the social media giants to keep you informed. Simply download the Freedom Project media app from your app store and allow notifications. And we'll let you know when a new video is ready. So, if that student loan forgiveness, the bailout, is allowed to eventually move forward, I have some great news for you, David. Great news. That money, it's going to go to things that matter. <laughs> like eating out, I read traveling. the story. She's joking. Those yeah. are things that matter to people who don't know how to budget in the first place and then take out a lot of loans. They're getting rewarded. Loan forgiveness, yeah. and then they're just going to travel for it. Anyway, we have a story uh, talking about an actual survey that was put out. Um, the anchors of CNBC's Money Minute actually discussed this recent survey that's from intelligent.com, and they asked 1,250 individuals, uh, and they found that 73% of President Biden's student debt forgiveness anticipated recipients, the ones who want to get this money 73 percent of them said they will spend their extra income because now they're not having or they will wouldn't have to eventually maybe pay back their student loan debt 73 percent of them will spend the extra income on non-essential items including dining out and travel the anchor uh deirdre bosa said it could be easy as well for some people to enjoy <laughs> travel and eating out rather than worrying about the future to recipients of President Biden's student debt forgiveness plan could see their monthly payments drop up to $300 a month in the coming weeks. But get this, 73% say they actually plan to spend that extra cash on travel and dining out. And joining us now is CNBC Tech Check co-anchor Deirdre Bosa. So Deirdre, why are people more inclined to spend the money they're saving on non-essentials instead of paying off their bills? I think we may know the answer. Well, that, that could be according to one survey, but it, you know, it could be easy as well for some people to enjoy traveling and eating out rather than worrying about the future. One financial coach tells CNBC.com that you should not use the loan forgiveness only for long-term goals. Your short-term short self may get frustrated and give up on planning ahead altogether. So instead, they say, make sure your regular bills are paid, check in on your goals, and try to achieve a balance that also lets you invest in your future self. Okay, yeah, I'm confused about one thing. We have to go back a little bit. Just one? I heard, yeah, several things, actually. But the first thing that I heard CNBC and Intelligent in the same sentence, and I'm really oh, kind of confused you, about that. Oh, see, you're saying the CNBC was just talking about were, a survey okay, done, by done by a different group. That's okay, so why it's got to separate. separate. All right, that clarifies separate. that. Now, am I wrong, or doesn't it seem like these young American students would be rewarded mm for maybe being irresponsible with uh, in, you know taking out loans and maybe going into massive debt and then saying okay i'm getting a chunk of this back and now hey i think i've never been to italy yes maybe this I'll is go there. this is another example if the ruling gets overturned and then this is actually allowed to go through the loan forgiveness this is just another example of Oh, I made a bad decision, but it's okay. Daddy government is fixing it for me, and now I'm getting rewarded by apparently 
going on traveling and eating out and that. Sure. And as as Deirdre said there, you know, when she was talking about how a financial cult coach told them that you got to focus on the short-term self and not so much the long-term goals as much because, you know, what an awful it's philosophy. all about me, 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 now, now, now. Exactly. No one cares about anything in the future. Exactly. Well, let's let's get to some more of these statistics because your jaw may drop a little. Yes. So again, 73% said they're going to do the non-essential stuff. Well, uh, when you take a look at who is saying how much money they're going to spend, what and where, men are more likely than women to spend the money on the non-essential. So it's no. 84% versus 65. So it's actually the men. So that's how you get the average of the 73. But two times, only two, as many Democrats than Republicans say it's acceptable to spend the money on non-essentials. 77% said that they could use their money more wisely. 77 say hey i need to use my money more wisely also 73 percent say they're going to use it not so wisely that that blows my mind and four in ten of them <laughs> this is what the one that 40 percent say hey student loans haven't negatively affected their lives wait a minute what's that again that's 40 percent said, said hey the student loans have not negatively affected their lives. So the loans so haven't negatively affected they have them. not negatively affected so, so whatever yeah they may they're saying they might not have needed a bailout well that or they actually went to majors that made it so they have jobs that are appropriate oh, mm-hmm. okay but it is also they, they they broke it down more uh, on more statistics so when they talked about what they're actually likely to spend money on they are they're sen- saying that uh in a, in a given month they spend 44 percent spend money their extra money on smartphones and they can choose more than one 36 okay. percent are spending money on gaming systems gaming, that's uh, right. some people are in gambling 27 percent sure. you Why know not? some are investing in the stock market 43%. wait 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 so our tax dollars would help young people invest money to make money and our we would be helping them in the stock market. Yeah, so it potentially, but, but you said young people. It's not necessarily young people. Let's, let's remember how many people took out how large of loans and how long they've been paying these debts back okay. because okay. they went to maybe college for a, and got a degree that did not turn out. Like 20 years ago. Like 20 years ago. And, and they, they, they're, they're getting gifts, uh, they're, d- yeah, drugs, but alcohol. They, would, they spend <laughs> their extra money on all of these things instead. Anyway, all right, so we already got some of the statistics. So, uh, Wait a minute, wait a minute, one more, I'm sorry. A wedding. A wedding, hey. 30%? Yes. They would spend money on the wedding, exactly. Oh but it's interesting to say, like, when they break it down between men and women, um, it, men are higher, like, percentage-wise. <laughs> they are higher in percentage-wise than women on almost, I think, everything. Uh, if you look at the chart there, you can see that the blue... Uh, bar graph is actually the men the purple is the women and then you average them out and boom you get the the black bar chart um it's the men who are spending they're likely to spend more money then because the women i don't know maybe women are putting it away for families i don't know what women would be doing compared to the men um if you break it down by percentage for each group i think this sounds a tad ask you does it now if he's are, a little bitter because he wants men, to go to Italy, is that's what that's what this all well, comes down to. You know, I wouldn't force anybody else to pay for that trip if I did get to Italy. Hey, if anyone wants to donate to David, <laughs> paying to go to Italy. But anyway, when we come back, because we're not going to Italy, we're staying right here. The greatest doctor, Doctor Anthony Fauci, <laughs> he awards nearly three hundred million while him and his group and NIH funding for academics to study racism and health. 
Doesn't sound like a, a waste of taxpayer money at all, no, does it? That's next. Today's show is sponsored by our friends at MyPillow. Save up to 66% on pristine quality bedding, towels, slippers, signature pillows, and much more when you use the code EDUCATED. That's E-D-U-C-A-T-E-D, -E EDUCATED. Support this show and a great American company. Well, well, well. Remember that guy? His name was F -F 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 Fauci. Dr. Fauci. I mean, who could forget him? Uh, now that COVID really isn't putting him out there in the limelight, pushing him to the forefront, he's not throwing out as many baseballs at the Washington Nationals games or being <laughs> on the cover of I don't even know how many magazines. Um, you know, he's just going to waste money on tax, the taxpayer's money instead. So the National Institutes of Health, the NIH, has pledged to fund 437 projects and 43 sub-projects -pro examining <laughs> racism in healthcare. We're well, going to spend all that, okay. 437 racism. projects. Um, it, it's only going to cost just under $300 million. So it's $297,282,984. Pish posh. Okay. Nothing. Drop at, least, at least it's under three hundred. It's a, it's a, a, a drop in the bank there. Uh, the largest contributing agencies are the National Institute on Minority Health and Health Disparities, the National Institute on Drug Abuse, and the National Institute of Mental Health. Now, the biggest recipients for all this chunk of change were the University of California at San Francisco, the University of Minnesota, and Emory University. Now, $5.5 million flowed from Dr. Anthony Fauci's Institute of Allergy and infectious diseases to racism and health research. And according to press team member Anna McCulloch, NIH's mission is to seek fundamental knowledge about the nature and behavior of living systems and the application of that knowledge to enhance health, lengthen life, and reduce illness and disability. David, I mean, come on. I mean, her statement right there, that warrants $300 million. Yeah, and there's a problem when you connect racism with health care. Racism. Um, there's so much we could say about this. Remember, if the left thinks abortion is health care, they had no problem with Margaret Sanger's racism, did they? All right, but let's, let's go back to this article now. Sorry, I just had to throw that in there because it's true. Um, I'm looking at... Later on, almost toward the end of the article, it says, older gay men, wait a minute, stop. Thought you were talking about racism here in healthcare. Older gay men also face, quote, structural racism problems. According to researchers, where? The University of California, San Francisco. San Katie, Francisco. what is this? Well, they have uh, one of the, the studies that they put out there, or that were their funding here is the structural racism and discrimination in older men's health inequities. So it's all about the older gay men, as you talked about. Uh, their abstract, you can see right there, is highlighted every time they mention racism because it's structural racism and discrimination in older men's health. It, abstract. The health and well-being of older gay men has been greatly shaped by structural forces, namely discrimination, and for older gay men of color, racism. Okay, so basically, every chance we get to claim racism, we do. 
And so this, they basically wanted to get funding to talk about gay men's health disparities. In San Francisco. So they're going to just, yeah. And so they're, they are being the racist, using racism. to just Oh, and people of color. Like, we're just going to throw it in there. Because if we say it's racist, hmm. then we'll get the funding. Because we, like, you know how the third rail is supposed to be Social Security? It's not. Racism. Like, no one wants to touch it. No one wants to address it. Just like. Let it be there because we're all so afraid that if we go anywhere near it, we're going to get our hands slapped and then we'll be canceled because everything is racist. And by the way, have you noticed, friends, television commercials kind of backing this idea up that we're a racist nation? Pay attention to TV commercials. They don't call it programming. I mean, for nothing. But anyway, still to come, the University of Chicago is uh, well a doubling down on racism in america by offering a series of ridiculous social justice classes including a brand new one entitled ready the problem of whiteness since we've been assured that we can identify as any race now we'll have some fun coming up next talking about this course right after the break stay with us we want to hear from you if you have a question or comment for katie david or any of our other show hosts Simply visit stayeducated.org. That's stayeducated.org and submit your question or comment. Our team loves to hear from you and might just give you a shout out on air. Again, visit stayeducated.org and connect with us. All right, well, hey, if you're a fan of the show, which I hope you are. Please do your little thing there and uh, like, comment, share if you're watching us on social media. And please do send us your feedback at stayeducated.org. And then don't forget to take advantage of our 66% off deal at MyPillow. Get yourself a good night's rest. We all deserve it, especially after these midterm elections. So simply go to MyPillow.com and use the code educated to save yourself a bundle on the towels this holiday season that's right my pillow my towels my slippers my dog beds we have them all and we have pillowcases we have other things we just didn't get the sheets that may be the next investment but let's talk about this course katie Ooh. the university of chicago problem of whiteness um they're going to offer it, apparently. It's, it's, a, it's a problem. That's why. It's, it's a problem, a massive problem in this country. And uh, this upcoming spring semester, the class is offered through the Critical Race oh. and mm -hmm. Ethnic Studies mm -hmm. Department. Excellent. There you go. You know what? I think... Um, is that connected to the DEI? DEI, DIE. <laughs> they're all one and the same. Um, but you know what? I think they're being headed up by... Uh, this man who sang a little song called Ice Ice Baby. Because you know what? If you got a problem, what? yo, he'll solve it. Really? He will. He's talking about the problem of whiteness. Do you know the song? Uh, ice, ice, vanilla of, ice. Yeah. Anyway, problem of <laughs> Am whiteness. I dating myself. You are. Who? What? You are. <laughs> now, so University of Chicago. So, again, all you have to do in all these instances, because we always talk about this, the racism that we have. What if we called the course the problem of blackness? What Ooh. would happen, David? Oh my goodness, really? But that's okay. We Didn't can we can call something because it's whiteness. In whiteness, who cares? But if you call it the problem of blackness, then we'd have an issue. 
But hey, it's, it's again, because white whiteies don't matter. We can we can just be racist toward one group and everyone else gets a free pass on everything and anything. That's where we're at. Okay, um, there's a, the teacher involved, by the way, Rebecca. What, how do you say her last name? Journey. Journey. Wait a minute. Is she? I'm sorry. Is she white? But anyway, what's interesting is the university declined to provide a copy of the syllabus. And it says, quote, critical race theorists have shown that whiteness has long functioned as an unmarked racial category, saturating a default surround against which non-white or not white, not quite, what, not quite, others appear as aberrant according to the course description. So the college fix, they do great work. They reached out to the course instructor, Miss, Miss, Mrs. or Ms. Journey, and uh, to ask how she defined whiteness and what she hoped to achieve by teaching the class. Katie. <laughs> uh, conservative Daniel Schmidt responded by saying, as Black Lives Matter likes to say, silence is violence. Can you fathom? Yeah, you kind of already said this, right? Can you fathom the amount of outrage if the course was called The Problem of Blackness? So See? you've got yep. a lot of people kind of critically thinking and saying, all right, would this be allowed or appropriate if the tables were turned, if it was named something else? And of course, no. So isn't this discrimination? Uh, of course it is. Or is Absolutely it, yeah. it is. This is always what it is. But you know what? I don't care if they're black, they're white, they're brown, they're blue, yellow, red, pink. Whatever type of sheets that you want to sleep on, <laughs> you go right ahead and you should get those sheets again. MyPillow.com. Use the code educated. Save some dollar dollar bills, y'all. Because if the Joe Biden loan forgiveness actually gets to go through eventually, then we're all paying for it. So save that money now. Again, MyPillow.com. Use the code educated. I've had enough for today, yeah, I, think. I think. this so, is just... Oof, we're good. So for David and myself, thank you for watching, thank you for listening, and thank you for supporting what we do. Until next time, stay educated. Educated is directed and produced by Mike Menzel. Hosted by Katie Petrick and David Fiorazzo. Makeup and hair by Katie Scholl. Graphics designed by Dan Kaler. Educated is owned by Freedom Project Media. See other shows and content at freedomproject.com or download the Freedom Project media app. Copyright 2022.